Blog Talk Radio. Just looking at the scorecards, 
what it really came down to, and it kind of mirrored what happened in Golovkin-Canelo, where the first two, three rounds, you would say, hey, the Mexican went ahead. And on my scorecard, it was two to one for Estrada. But from right around rounds three to eight or nine, I thought Sorung Vasai controlled the large majority of the rounds. And it wasn't until I believe eight or nine that I scored one for Estrada as the tie fighter built what I believe was a pretty significant lead. But then Estrada really closed hard. So then you go to the championship rounds game on all three judges across the board. I believe that Sorongbasai only won the 11th on one of the scoring grids. Now, I will say this. The scorecard of Steve Morrow went at 117-111 for the defending champion. That is Adelaide Bird-esque, and that needs to be looked at. It was a very, very close fight. It warrants a rematch. But again, judging boxing is a subjective art in which you are paid to be objective. 114-114 and 114-113. I think whether you agree or disagree, whether it was Sorung Vasai or Estrada, you're in that reasonable realm. Uh, 117-111, boy, that is something where I believe the commission has to call this guy in and said, what were you looking at? I believe he gave eight or nine straight rounds to Sorung Vasai, did Steve Morrow. That that, that doesn't jive well with me. Three, three through eleven, really? Like, there's no nuance. There's no, there's not a moment that you know Estrada maybe pulls one out. That just, that's just not the fight that everybody saw. You know, uh, it was, it was a, it was a tough fight, it, and there was a lot of adjustments that needed to be made. I, I thought uh, Estrada was the guy that made him for a seven-five, and uh, like you, I could see the other way for scoring more of the harder shots and more flashier shots, and. Uh, and Estrada seemed to, to be affected by the power of Sorung Vasai. So maybe that's it. Like, no matter how well he was doing, he'd still get a little rattled. It seemed like, you know, those punches just hurt a little bit more. And so you're, if you're scoring it, like, you know, some people say the difference between the amateurs and pros is that pros are trying to do damage, then okay. But uh, still, 117-111, it's just strange when one guy has, uh, or woman, you know, Adelaide Bird has, has done this, uh, other judges have done it, where they're just that guy on the card. Uh, what do you do? Is it the angle? Do you take that guy in and, 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 and watch tape with him? Again? And, and uh, what is the recourse here when, when the, the score is so different from everybody else's? This was a very, very, very good fight. And I know some are calling it great. I think a lot had to do with the way it finished. That 12th round, as oh I said, goodness. should be put into a time capsule and bronzed. That was great stuff, Gabe. It was probably the most dramatic three-minute last inning I've seen with the fight on the line since Israel Vasquez knocking down Rafael Marquez in the third fight of their trilogy back in 2008 at the Stub wow. Hub Center. I mean, that was just two guys emptying the bucket, letting it all hang out, and there was a buzz at that forum for about five to ten minutes that was very, very reminiscent of that special night in Carson, California. Uh, the rematch, I believe, will be talked about. Tom Loeffler said, hey, I think it warrants the rematch. HBO is behind it. The WBC is behind it. And the forum is certainly behind it. Sikrasat Sorongbasai coming into last year was an unknown entity. Gabe, I really believe this is a Cinderella story and hasn't rung midnight yet. He had his first five fights as he turned professional in 2008, 
gave. He was one, three, and one. What an amazing story this guy is. And and the the murderer's row of people that he's fought, you know, it, it's kind of ridiculous. Is is he? Uh, you know, Doug talked about this in his column today. Is he? You know, and I don't. You and I don't engage in the pound for pound rankings. But there's a case for him to be made as the best fighter in the game right now, considering who he's faced and what he's done. When you do those lists, and I I long ago decided it was mental masturbation, but to me the eye test is important. No doubt about it. But you know what's just as important? Strength of schedule slash resume. And if you look at the winner of the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament and this TIE fighter, again, based on those factors, specifically who you have beaten recently, I think any list without them, if you care about them, simply are irrelevant. Gabe, Carlos Quadras went up to Big Bear and his abs looked great, his body looked great. The engine wasn't there. Do you think he was simply maybe overtrained or Big Bear wasn't for him? Or has he simply turned the corner after a lot of hard, tough rounds? Maybe a little bit of both, you know. Um, you know, all of the above. He he uh, he was always kind of a guy that was going to need to really you know, uh, put 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 it all out there. Let his hands go. Be hyper aggressive in order to get the most out of his out of his heavy hands. He's not super fast. He's not super technical. Um, and the thing I was wondering, you know, I don't know if you found this out talking to Abel. Um, when did they come off the mountain? When did, you know that altitude training? You need to come down like ten to fourteen days out to kind of acclimate to to you know where you're going to be uh, when you're not fighting at eight thousand feet. Uh, your body needs to kind of kick in and and, and uh, change over in a sense. And, and so I wondered. He looks so flat in there at times, uh, and really, you know, maybe it's just wear and tear. But but maybe it was that to me, overtrained or or just didn't quite time uh, the acclimation period from high altitude to low. So, uh, to me, it's not that exact of a science. After, after spending a few years watching what, what they're doing over here at Snack and, and uh, simulated high altitude and then hyperoxygenating guys, and uh, you know, they, and they haven't. I'm not saying they're winning, winning every fight and they've developed a champion yet. When the proof will be in that pudding uh, when they do so. But uh, uh, just looking at it to me, it's just like you can't really kind of eyeball it, the whole altitude thing. Uh, so I, that was my take was that something was not quite right. But also, yeah, I mean, William, Zamoro, he's a quality dude. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, McWilliams Arroyo, first fight in two years, resuscitates his career so he stays in the mix. Uh, he needed this victory. I'm not saying it was do or die, but you know what they say about winning. It's a lot better than losing. Uh, also <laughs> on this card, kicking off this HBO broadcast, IBF flyweight title is Donnie Nietes with an emphatic victory over Revico. Gabe, you know I love the Mexican fans. Uh, without them, quite frankly, I wouldn't have my job, and I'd have to get a real one, and I really don't want that to happen. But I have to tell you, when I heard them booing like a minute and a half into this fight, which – by the way, I thought it was a pretty solid, decent, professional boxing match. It was running its course naturally. It was building up. Nietes, very solid all-around fighter. The booing, I thought, was mind-boggling, given the sense, folks, this ain't Smoke Gainer here, okay? And Diani Nietes, to me, was a victim of fighting before fights that other people really wanted to see. But at the end, that exclamation mark... I think it's Stanton's arrival, and I want to see him on Superfly 3. I thought it was a very good performance. 
Gabe? Max Kellerman agrees with you. He got uh, kind of mad at the Boers as well uh, and assumed it was the Mexican-American. So it's somebody that was there uh, as well has confirmed that. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was a solid fight. And I think Darin Nietes is a, is a great all-around fighter, man. He, he takes his time in there. Uh, probably a little more busy than a Mikey Garcia is at times, although Mikey stepped it up in the last uh, few fights. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really didn't really understand the Boo Birds, but maybe – you know, after the, the, the previous fight, maybe they, they were just ready to, to get a little more action. Uh, who knows? You know, uh, f- crowds are kind of fickle. And he's not a Mexican dude, so maybe it was easier to, to boo him. You know, if he's going to take his time, they're like, we're not having it. You're, you're entertaining us. You're on, a, on this card. You know, we're, the, we're, like you said, the bread and butter uh, of this industry. You know, we want some action. But, you know, he did his job. He got the guy out of there. So uh, I imagine the crowd went crazy when that happened. Yeah, Donnie Nietzsche goes to 41-1-4, and and just eyeballing him physically, that's a big 112-pounder. I don't think he would be physically overmatched at all if he decided to move up to 115 pounds. Moving on this Saturday night, it's showtime from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Your main event for the WBC heavyweight title, Deontay Wilder takes on Louis Ortiz. And for the super middleweight IBF interim title, a rematch of the good job unk fight, Andre Durrell takes on Jose Uzcatagi. One note here, Hugo Centeno, Jermel Charlo. That has been postponed due to an announced rib injury for Centeno. The word is that fight will be pushed back to April 21st. Gabe, Wilder Ortiz, I don't know about you. I'm not giving Ortiz much of a shot. I, I just think the youth, the length, and the athleticism of Wilder I envision a scenario where Wilder puts on a disciplined performance like he did against Bermain Stavern the first time when he won this title. I just question, can Louis Ortiz be quick enough and fast enough with his feet to actually get into position? That, to me, is the question. Yeah, and, you know, the activity, man. You know, he fought in, uh, what, December, so... It's not too far off, I guess. Uh, you know, I've seen pictures of him. Uh, Ortiz looks uh, fairly chiseled on the track court. Uh, he's, they keep talking about the weight that he's losing. Uh, but, you know, I want to know about his sparring. And, and you're right. Like, at 38 years old, is he going to be able to move in and out? And is he the kind of guy, you know, at 6'4", his head just might be on a tee for 6'7", Deontay Wilder. Uh, you know, as he's moving around, sliding side to side. But he's kind of upright. Uh, we're going to see if he's going to be able to, his reflexes are going to be able to pick up on the right hands from Deontay who can throw them at at kind of crazy angles at times. Uh, And like you, I I expect to see Deontay behind his stick, double jab. That's where this, the the kind of the bread and butter of this fight, who's going to assert themselves uh, and take control. Uh, I still haven't quite quite picked out uh, who I think is going to win. I don't think it's an easy out for Deontay Wilder at all. I think his chin gets checked in the fight. Uh, but I'd lean towards him. I think he's the chalk. And, and like he did against Bermain Severn the first time, uh, you know, everybody doubted him. He can't fight discipline for 12 rounds. He's very much capable of that. And I think he knows what he has in front of him. So uh, I'll lean towards Deontay Wilder in this one. And I'll reiterate what I've said about Wilder in the past. Yes, he has some deficiencies, but it, we should not overlook the fact that he's tall, he's athletic, and he can bang. Yes. One punch might erase him, but he also has the eraser. And I've said this. He's like that proverbial guy that I remember in the late 80s and mid-90s, like Rob Deere. 
Mickey Tettleton. They may have struck out 150 to 170 times. They also hit 40 home runs. They also drove in 120 runs. They weren't the most efficient ball players, but they drove in a ton of runs on a consistent basis. Uh, beating Deontay Wilder, in theory, is very easy. We were there when Harold Sconyers nearly toppled him, but, but it's not necessarily doable either. Um, so we'll see what happens on this night. I just hope Louis Ortiz has enough quickness to get into position. Yes, does he have a missile of a left hand? Yes, but will he be in position to actually throw it in range against a taller, younger, longer opponent? That's the question. And Gabe, Darrell Uzkatagi was shaping up to be a very, very interesting fight till we saw what happened at the end of that fight. And I believe Leon Lawson will not be in the corner of Andre Darrell. In fact, working the corner will be one Virgil Hunter as he faces Uzkatagi again. I think that's a pretty good fit in terms of trainer and a philosophy with a certain fighter. But it says here, Uskatagi is going to give Darrell hell once again. I think this is a very, very tough fight. That's a real tough fight. I, I think Unk is going to be like, you know, underneath the arena in like the Blues Brothers car, maybe calling in the instructions on the, you know, the walkie-talkie. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think Uskatake is, is still going to make it tough on Darrell. I, I, I lean towards him. Darrell is just, uh, you know, to, I, I can't bet on him. You can't, can't trust what he's going to do fight to fight. Uh, so I, I think it's, you know, you know, Virgil, one one camp, I, I don't know. I think we're going to see, hear some good monologues, but I don't think we're going to see many adjustments uh, from Andre Durrell. I, I, I'm going to go with Uskatagi in this one. Two questions I have. Uskatagi from taking that criminal cheap shot from Leon Lawson. Is his hmm. chin the same? How does he react to it? Also, Andre Durrell, he was buzzed in that fight, and I still maintain looking at that replay, and I've broken it down like there's a Pruder film. That combination, I thought was borderline. It looked to be right on the bell, and it was thrown as the bell was ringing. Um, And as soon as referee Bill Clancy said, hey, it's okay, lay down, he basically said, hey, just if you lay down, you get a DQ. Well, you see what happened. So I think both guys come in with psychological and physical questions, and uh, this fight's pretty intriguing uh, at the Barclay Center. Meanwhile... Across the other borough in Manhattan at the theater at Madison Square Garden on HBO on the very same night, we have a doubleheader of 175-pound action. Sergey Kovalev defends his WBO light heavyweight title against Igor Mikulkin. And what I believe is the best fight of the night, WBA light heavyweight title as Dmitry Bivol takes on Sully B. Gabe, let's be honest, Kovalev, Mikulkin, it seems to be another layup. This in reality is the walkout bout. Bivol Barrera, I think this is the proving ground. Let's see what Bivol, what he's all about. Kovalev might as well be facing Macaulay Hulkin for for all I care about that fight. <laughs> uh, so he's all alone. You're telling me. Yeah. That, <laughs> uh, Bivol Barrera, though, man, that is steak and potatoes. That's a real fight. Uh, we're gonna find out about Bivol at the top level. You know, uh, he's a you know highly touted amateur. Uh, he's blazing a pretty fast trail uh, as a pro, but how does he do at this level? And, and you know, Barrera's got quality rounds uh, under his belt. He's going to bring a ton of experience. 
I think this is not an easy fight for Dimitri Bivol. Uh, it seems to me like a, a distance fight. If, if you know, uh, Brera could take his power early on, uh, I think he can extend it. Because uh, the, the kid's not going to – we'll find out. There's, we're going to have a lot of questions. Can Bivol carry his power late? Uh, can Brera handle his power? And, and can Brera tame him with the jab? I mean, it's, you know, can the kid take a punch? There's so much on – so many questions. Uh, it's just a fantastic fight. Dimitri Bivol, the last year, as he really made his stateside invasion, or at least to the HBO and Showtime audiences, blew out Samuel Clarkson, Cedric Agnew, and then Trent Broadhurst. And those are pretty solid victories, because, again, he made an impression, and as I like to say, it's not if you win, it's how you win, but now he's facing Barrera, who's only lost one time to Andre Ward. This, to me, is an absolute litmus test. And in looking at B-Ball, and I, I've seen him at the gym the last couple of weeks, everyone talks about his power and his straight right hand. But the thing that's really impressive, Gabe, is his feet. It's a different type of movement than, let's say, Vasil Lomachenko. It was almost like Barishnikov into that ring with the spins and the pivots and the lateral movement. B-Ball's movement is about going in and out, changing not only direction, but really distance. And then he's also added on the front side with his left hand, a lot of fainting, half jabs, waving it out there, pulling back the left, drawing guys into the right. For as powerful as he is, Gabe, he's also incredibly crafty with a very, very, very high boxing IQ, and he employs a lot of feints. So there's a method to the madness here. I think Bivol wins the fight, and I think he does it in definitive fashion. I'd love to see it. You know, we, uh, you know, as much as I like Barrera, and I think he's, a, you know, got a quality story. There's something about Bivol. He really has that Tito kind of feel, uh, kind of a, just a dangerous puncher. And, and what he did to Broadhurst was was just spooky. Uh, like you said, it's a, it's not who you beat, it's how you beat him. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's when you beat him. And, and what I love about this fight is that that both guys are, are sharp. They're they're probably you know not I don't think Bevel's at his peak yet, but Pereira's as good as he's going to be, I think. Uh, and so you know we're going to find out and, and and get a definitive answer here, hopefully. Uh, and it's going to be great for the the future of the sport. I think the future is with Bevel. Gabe, before we move on to the Twitter timeline, I, I want to comment on something. I was at the fights ringside, and I'm checking out my timeline on Twitter. Uh, you were also watching the fights. Um, Max Kellerman is becoming an issue for the viewer. Now, let me just say this. Everyone sit down because I want to praise Andre Ward. Okay, everyone sit down. Take a seat. Take a seat. <laughs> take, take a glass of water. Andre Ward is developing very nicely as a color commentator. I'm enjoying what he's doing. Unlike a couple of years ago when he's trying to push certain narratives and agendas to suit his fight career, like he did when Chavez was overweight against Brian Vera, and he's trying to sell us on a fight fact that, hey, me and Chavez would be a great event, and Chavez deserves a lot of credit for coming out of shape and overweight. Didn't like that, and that's one of the problems of having a current fighter on the broadcast booth, that it could be a conflict of interest. However, when it comes to fights where he's just calling and just analyzing, I think he has caught up to Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones. It's no nonsense. It's knowledgeable. He's actually analyzing the fights, and it's clear that he has a knowledge of the fighters. He's not just showing up and then reading a 
pamphlet and then going over talking points. So Andre Ward is stamping himself as a very good color commentator. However, Max Kellerman, I'm just going to let you take it from here, uh, Gabe. Go ahead, Gabe. Just let it well, fly. I, I liked, what, on you I liked what you said uh, <laughs> about Bernard Hopkins uh, because you know it's – it's just stark when you when you hear knowledgeable people speaking versus somebody that's maybe filling. Um, and listening to Bernard Hopkins on the ESPN show, the Golden Boy show, granted he's a he's a promoter, but the way he was breaking down these young fighters, what they were doing against veterans, you know, it's a different stage of the game than the HBO. Uh, this is you know developmental. They're at Fantasy Springs. But the way he's talking about, you know, what the fighter needs to do, what aspects of their game they need to be working on, it was just an absolute pleasure to watch. And Betha Duran, like a Jim Lampley, facilitates the experts, kind of keeps, you know, the, the audience engaged, calls the action, uh, but then defers to the expert. What is Max's purpose? Because Andre Ward was doing exactly the same thing. And I love this commentary, talking about inside fighting, how, you know, the, how much energy it is to, you know, to, you expend during it, but also how dangerous it is and the different types of, of uh, you know, tactics. It was, just, it was just pure knowledge. And then he's got to interact with Max. This gym doesn't bother me at all uh, now that Oscar De La Hoya is retired. Uh, but... but <laughs> That was unbearable, by the way. I'm with you on that. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, Jim is a great facilitator, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, but what is Max's role? Talking about, the, you know, the storyline of, you know, Carlos Quadras, he looks like he, you know, he should be winning. Really? I actually think McWilliams Aurora's trunks are better looking and uh, he's boxing better. What are you talking about? His, his presence. Like, he looks kind of sloppy. Actually, he's got acne all over his back, which took Max the whole fight to mention and him and Jim kind of go on a little anti-doping rant. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't understand his purpose. Larry Merchant's purpose was to be a reporter uh, and to have that reporter's eye and to also be the experienced guy to go in there and ask tough questions in a difficult situation. Again, what is Max's purpose? What does he bring to the uh... table to be a sycophant or a pom-pom waiver for Andre Ward? I mean, really, let's be honest about it. It's obvious to me, and that's not an easy job, and I've always said those are very difficult, impossible shoes to fill in terms of replacing Larry Legend. Granted, with that said, it's, to me, he cares more about the approval of Andre Ward liking him than being honest with the viewing public. Or Roy. That's a problem. He does, he does it with Roy, too. It's like he kind of kisses yes, up does. to the fighter next to him. That's kind of my problem. And, you know, there was a, one guy argued with me, but, you know, when I mentioned it on Twitter, I mean, you know, that's part of I'm tweeting about my experience. You're at the, the fight. You're tweeting about that experience. Uh, and so part of my experience is having to listen to Max and some of his bullshit. And I just... You know, I mean, you know, we're all going to disagree on it, but it's also it kind of goes as part of the, you know, I'm a subscriber. Uh, but, you know, I think what we're listening to is not Larry Merchant replacement so much as a Jim Lampley replacement waiting to replace Jim Lampley. Because Max yeah. actually, when he did get to call a fight was, as a lead, was actually quite good because he facilitated really well and deferred to the people that know more. So that's enough about that. But uh, I know I'm not alone in it. I got a lot of feedback on it. 
Yeah, so did I. It, it just I was like, wow, this is becoming a thing here. Uh, going to the Twitter timeline, of course, we start with the president, Andrew V. Kennedy. The purses for Superfly 2 caught some waves on the Twitter streets. Were some of these guys underpaid, or have we all been so warped by guys getting overpaid that we are shocked by reality-based economics? Now, let me point this out again, and I wrote about this long ago, and I don't, really don't want to write about it again. When it comes to commission reports, many times those things are inaccurate. And when it comes to foreign fighters that have television markets involved, they're very inaccurate. When it comes to guys with their own shell promotional companies, I wouldn't believe any of those figures. And there's, there's reasons why. Number one, tax purposes. And also, you are not under any binding agreement or responsibility to actually tell the truth on these commission reports. And I, I remember one case a couple of years ago. A particular Gennady Golovkin opponent put a purse that was much lower than what he received, and I asked his people why. He, and it was explained to me that, well, this particular fighter is going through litigation with this past manager who was suing for current and past purses. So basically, they had to cook the books. So I, I've always said there's lies, damn lies, and commission purse offerings. I take those with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, there's a you know it's 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 funny. Like uh, there's a lot of lawyers in boxing, and there's a managers. lot of loopholes in boxing. Yeah, yeah, and managers. managers. Well, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of the lawyers, and they find all these little loopholes, and, you know, it's perfectly legal what they're doing. Uh, that's why, yeah, you get a lot of managers and promoters, well, you know, Ludabella and, uh, and Bob Arum, Harvard lawyers. Yeah, and, and let me just go back. Look at the purse offerings for the first Canelo-Golovkin fight. I believe they put, like, 10 and $5 million or something like that. Trust me, when you look at the revenue involved and the pay-per-view dates, uh, money – if you do the math, I guarantee you each guy made at least at least twenty million. So uh, again, and I don't even know why you, people care. Uh, say what you want about Laker fans; uh, they're not saying to my to my timeline, "Oh my God, Lonzo Ball deserves more money." Uh, people enjoy the fights. You don't know enough about the business to even care enough. Uh, and I know people want to carry out. I, I know what this agenda is about. Certain people pay more. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's not your money. Uh, that's the manager's problems. And the, whoever represents these fighters on a legal standpoint, that's something they'll figure out. If the money is that low, I don't think they take the fights. Uh, anyway, let's go to another uh, tweet from Barbosa Box. I was really excited watching Artem Delakian. Give us your assessment, and he go Delakian next on Superfly 3. Gabe, I don't know if you saw him beat Brian Valoria. I, I thought he beat him decisively, but I'll be honest. I thought he was more effective than exciting. He didn't strike me as a guy that was must-watch TV moving forward. Maybe that's why when Donnie Nietis came out and was looking to counterpunch early on, the audience was like, you know, started booing. Like, look. Yeah, because uh, Delakian wasn't exactly – I was like, oh, you know, he's a guy with fights with his arms down low he's got really long arms it kind of works for him i guess but uh not super exciting and and you know, it was kind of crazy to see brian valoria slow down the action a little bit i think it's time uh you know he's what 37 now um yeah i tried I, I thought he gave it you know an honest effort uh but 
I couldn't think of a worse style for an aging fighter than an awkward Dalakian, you know, jumping around, kind of uh, running into you, hitting you from odd angles. Uh, it was a bit of a, a nightmare. Uh, you know, not the greatest fight, not the most memorable fight, but, uh, you know, did Brian say if he's going to retire afterwards? Is that it? No, I, I read something that are going to um, discuss this in the upcoming weeks. Now, I, I, if you want to justify moving on, you could say it's a bad style. The guy was agony. The guy was a foot yeah. taller than Brian. You know what? 37 is 37. And even in his recent victories, he has shown signs of physical corrosion. It is what it is. Here's one from David the Dude. What are the chances we get Joseph Diaz versus Gary Russell on the Canelo Golovkin card? Also, is Loma Linares pretty much dead? No, it's not pretty much dead. It's been dead. It's buried. It's six feet under, right there next to Grant's tomb. That fight will not happen May 12th. As for Joseph Diaz, Gary Russell, you know, I really don't know, but that would be a very, very nice semi-main game. Say what you want about Joseph Diaz. Yeah, he's the underdog to Gary Russell, but I'll make two points here. Joseph Diaz is a solid pro who's earned his ranking, who's putting in in the work. Also, Diaz is significantly better than anyone Gary Russell has faced in his two-and-a-half, three-year championship run. Oh, yeah. He's a dangerous fighter. God, it's an intriguing fight because Diaz isn't Captain Fast. Uh, He's not, uh, you know, a, a, a massive power puncher. But he's he's the technician, man. He really chops away at you, mixes up his punches really well, uh, keeps his distance beautifully, doesn't forget to use the jab. Uh, I, I really like you know everything he brings to the table. He's just like uh, good at everything, uh, not great at particularly one thing. But I, I, I can't wait to see him fight somebody like Gary Russell and pressure him, get to his body if he can. I mean, Gary's very fast, but he's also incredibly inactive. So who knows what Gary's going to show up. Uh, in very intriguing fight. Do I think it's going to be on the undercard there? No. No, I don't. <laughs> Here's one from Rematch Rob. Steve Morrow needs to be pistol whipped, but also Harold's card was atrocious. I agree. I thought it was a very, very uh, interesting scorecard. There's at least two rounds that Harold gave to Rung beside that I was like, hmm, not sure about that. Uh, also, uh, let's see if there's anything else on the Twitter timeline. Here's one from A. So Rung beside is whooping very good guys coming up in weight. Okay, that, that is certainly an opinion that is shared by some. If you want to call in, 347-215-7598, and we'll end with this, uh, another one from Barbosa Box. Max is not at his A game. He has more important daily responsibilities nowadays. Tons of information, no capacity to play at A level. You know what? I'm not so sure he has tons of information. He has a lot of historical knowledge, which I don't think really relates to today's game. Uh, I, would, well, I have to be honest. Max has other gigs that are much more important to him. They pay him very well. He's had a very good career. However, yeah, you know, I do have one question then. How many fights does he actually watch besides the one he calls for HBO? That's a great question. And, and, you know, all through the broadcast, and you could pick any broadcast, any of them, in the last – ever since Max has been doing the show, he never says – he'll say, you know, at the fighter meeting, at the fighter meeting – he was very much like this, and he'll reference the fighter meeting. You ever hear him say, you know, when I visited him in training camp, 
or when I saw him at the gym. And that's the difference. Like for me, even as a, as an ex boxing writer uh, that does this show, you know, with Steve uh, from the days when I was a boxing writer, I absolutely can see the difference and hear the difference in, in, in the knowledge just from listening to, you know, the Thompson boxing, uh, you know, with, with Steve and Beto and uh, all the, the broadcasts with Doug and Steve is a different level of knowledge. And, and Max brings history. I don't bring that to the table, but, uh, you know, Doug does. I'd love to hear Doug or Steve on there. I'd kill for a Steve Kim, Andre or Jim Lampley uh, throwdown uh, on any fight on HBO. Uh, it would be great stuff. Me and Andre Ward on the same broadcast team. That I, is that, that is bizarro world. I, I got to tell you. Anyway, <laughs> three four seven. I think I got to sit down now. Two one five seven five nine eight. Folks, we're here till at least eight thirty p.m. Eastern time, and if need be, nine p.m. in bonus extra championship rounds. Gabe, let's get to the phone calls. You thought Larry and George used to go at it, Andre and Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Seven eight seven, you're live on the next round. Hi guys. Javier. Oh my God, what's going on, Javier? Weppa. It's been a while. First, first of all, guys, uh, uh, I, I relate to the uh, to the Mongolian fight where you guys were surprised that after such a long, after such a long layoff, I know I was that he was able to keep up. Especially early with Quadras. Well, you know the thing with McWilliams Arroyo, I didn't know what he was at this point. I was very impressed by one aspect of McWilliams Arroyo on Saturday night. He punched with purpose, and I thought he might get overrun in the second half. But that classic second half surge or the activity of Quadras was non-existent. I know some people had it close. I thought it would have been an absolute miscarriage of justice if they would have taken that away from Arroyo. I, I mean, I was surprised that uh, when he looked that sharp and, 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 and uh, Quadras looked, you know, I was more surprised that he looked so flat. I was expecting more. Uh, but but Williams, even when he loses, it's like he, he looks kind of good for a while and does just enough to lose. This time, he, he, you know, what surprised me was that he was able to keep it up, and and really he did have presence in there, and he was acting like he was the was the winner uh, th- throughout. And like like uh, Andre pointed out, that he he clearly had a plan of attack and knew what he was dealing with. He wasn't just kind of feeling his way through the fight. Uh, you know, I, I was just surprised that he was able to sustain it. Um, there is no rematch. Between Ruben Sai Estrada. How about Ruben Sai Williams? That that could be good because the only thing he hasn't done, he, he has lost some some tough fight, but he's never won a title. And here Puerto Rico says he was an amateur. There always been that pressure because his brother did did win a title. So how about Ruben Sai Williams? And using the way he fought yeah, on Saturday, he he will have shut out Ruben Sai. Well, that'd be a good fight, but I get the sense from Tom Loeffler they are making the rematch an absolute priority, as is the network. Uh, one question for you, Javier. Why didn't Peter Rivera get McWilliams Arroyo a fight for two years? Well, to be quite honest with you, the, the Rivera has been out a little bit out of the game for a while. Uh, 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 they, they used to do business with... Uh, with top rank 
and they didn't wear it in separate ways, and it wasn't the same. And, and 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 now they are back because they are both working with the. They are supposed to promote the fight of the of Gabriel Simpson, the uh, one of the prospects that one of. Oh yeah, Friday. he fought on Friday night on the uh, and, on the Univision show. And and, and 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 they returned to that working relationship, but I I grew up and, and you know I've been covering the the boxing scene for a while. I grew up going to Peter Rivera fight for a lot of years. And then he went kind of like three years without putting a fight here in Puerto Rico. And, 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 and those kids were, when they started Puerto Rico, was their main, their main, their main place that, that they fight on. So uh, it, 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 it kind of become interesting. I, I, one fight that I think they will do if they can get the rematch. I know that that right now is with ESPN, but Jack Widow can have been his brother for the title at a hundred and at a hundred and hundred fifteen pounds. So maybe they got an angle there, and with my Williams winning this time, they could do that. They could do that fight, and. And two more things, guys. First of all, uh, I relate to Saturday. Um, do you think it's automatic if Bebo and Kovarebo wins, they are fighting next? Or do you? No. Uh, I don't think they're fighting next. No. And, uh, guys, one last thing. Can you, do you guys know to what fight I'm going on Saturday? Oh, one ma against Jason Velez. One ma over to Jason Velez. <laughs> so next party, <laughs> like it's 2010. <laughs> wow, talk about a hot tub time machine fight. Anyway, Javier, don't be a stranger. Join us again. Thank you for the call. 347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? I can't believe uh, those two five, are fighting each other. Jeez. That's, wow. 530, you're live on the next round. Good evening, Gabe, Steve, Ringside, Robert here. Robbie, what's going on? Uh, that was a uh, that was a good card on Saturday night. I, I was look, looking forward to that all year, but Max almost destroyed it for me. Uh, that was uh, now. What's uh, your problem with them, Robbie? What what specifically? Um, I, look, I he's there to supposedly give a historical perspective. But it it almost seems like Steve he doesn't do enough homework. Like like Gabriel said, he doesn't go to the gyms. He refers to everything in the fighter meeting. He it, he he doesn't refer back to well when I seen him fight so and so he did this. Um, uh, you know hmm. he he's really becoming uh, not a good part of the. Uh, of the broadcast, it's almost as bad as the Teddy Atlas situation at ESPN. And, you know, ESPN took him off and replaced him with Mark Kriegler. I, I don't know if HBO's got to go that far because their schedule is pretty weak. But uh, Max is becoming a problem. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, but uh, this upcoming weekend, I'm going to watch the Showtime fights live and record Max for later when I'm ready to deal with what he has to say. Oh, can't you just put on the mute button? Uh, yeah, I can, but 
you know. Listening Spanish? Uh, uh, well, maybe, <laughs> hey, since I can't understand it too well, I might do that too, you know. But uh, I don't know. uh, Another language late in life, you know. Yeah, Uh, I've heard I've heard you in that spot, Steve. You do a good job. I've heard I've heard other people in that spot who do a good job. Even Polly does a good job with Alan uh, and uh, Mauro Ranello on Showtime. But I I don't know. Maybe it's because Max has too many things on his plate. I want to see somebody in that chair who, A, knows what they're talking about, can refer to actually going to, like, the training camp or something and adding something to the broadcast. You never know what Max is going to come up with. I mean, he flat-out accused Quadris of being on steroids, which I thought was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since the guy's had – he has had acting for the past, like, three fights. I think we've seen him. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, but, you know, maybe, but, but you look at his face and he's got like acne scars. You're like, maybe the guy has acne. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, Gabe, uh, you're you're the uh, drug drug testing person on this panel. Have you ever heard of anything about him not passing any test? No, right? He's he's been had a clean bill of health. And uh, granted, yeah. you know, when you're only getting tested during the fight camp you know who knows what you could do on the outside but the the acne thing is apparently comes from when you're doing shit uh and it's like all the impurities leaving your body uh the week when you drop all the weight you know it's like your body flushes out all this stuff and so that all comes out in your back uh but that could be any number of things who knows what the hell he was eating in camp i mean right, Nary, right. Who's, who's fighting you know had some uh you know apparently a contaminant in his food uh, you know, who knows what's in our food? So yeah. you know, it could be any number of things. You know, if, unless a guy has a positive drug test, you know, I, I don't. I just don't like the whole throwing suspicion on a guy like that. I mean, uh, couldn't it, could, uh, couldn't HBO uh, get in trouble if a fighter said, "Hey, you accused me of something," and they decided to sue? I mean, you, uh, you, you need to know what you're talking about, don't you, when you're sitting at ringside? It would need to cost him a fight, you know. It, w- it would need to like hurt him in the marketplace in order for you to really sue, because yeah. you have to prove damages. Yeah, that's true. So, but uh, yeah. no, I, I've I've watched boxing for well over forty years, and uh, you know, Max is becoming annoying. And uh, you know, I, <laughs> I I don't know if I don't know if HBO uh, has the courage to sit him down and say, Hey, Max, you know, we're getting too many complaints about this. Uh, you know, you need to, you know, not do these kind of things. Or is it time to replace him and put somebody in there who can add to what Andre Ward or Roy Jones has to offer? No, I, I really think that, that uh, the plan is that when Jim retires, uh, Max will be the new Jim. And, well, you know, Andre wait, a minute, wait a minute. You think he's going to be the blow-by-blow guy? I think so. Gabe, let me tell you something. If someone who has done that role on, uh, as opposed to the other role, it's like some guys are meant to be point guards. Some guys are meant to be shooting guards. They, they, I'm just telling you, you're playing the same game, but you're not playing the same position. Which I, was I don't know. I, I'm just telling it you. A, it was a dual That broadcast. is not an indictment on Max. I'm just saying it's a different yeah. role. Oh, and, 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 you know, not to kiss your ass, uh, not to pull a Max, <laughs> but uh, – uh, you know, you you know that as well as anybody because you've you've done radio for forever, you've done webcasts and 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 done all the roles, you know. 
uh, reality TV, TV even. Yeah, I'm just uh, saying what Jim does is really the traffic cop because when you're the lead guy yeah. and you're, you're the first voice that you hear as the broadcast begins, you're reading off of a teleprompter or off of a piece of paper where you're saying, good evening, live on HBO from the forum, blah, 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 blah. Then a producer says, okay, you're on camera now, then you've got to look up. Then you've got to kind of remember if there's no teleprompter, what the hell is my name? What are my partner's game names? And then what are the talking points? I'm, that, I'm just telling you, that is a much more difficult job than someone saying, Steve, what do you think about this fight? That's the easiest job in the world compared to what mm-hmm. Lampley has to do. So right. I'm just telling you, that's not an easy transition. And, you know, before Jim Lampley came along, uh, Barry Tompkins did a good job at HBO. Oh, Barry was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Um, Look, as far as this weekend goes, I think Wilder will take Ortiz out within five rounds. Um, uh, I I think uh, the delay in the the fight over the drug test issue, uh, Ortiz got older, and uh, Wilder, you know, Wilder's still in his you know, I think what he's thirty-one, thirty-two years old. He's he's in his physical prime. I don't think Ortiz can deal with it. And if Wilder wants a sniff at a Joshua fight, he's got to do something to grab everybody's attention and got to destroy this guy as early as possible to make a statement. Like Steve says, it's not you know, if you win, it's how you win. And I think Wilder's got to look very impressive this weekend. And as far and I agree with Gabe, I think, uh, I think Darrell has a real problem. I think he possibly loses that fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to find out a lot about B-Bald and it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock the hell out of me if uh, Sully B winds up winning that fight. Mm, you are yeah. on the record, Robbie. Thank you for the call. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? Uh, not, well, it's hailing. Uh, wow, are you guys hailing down oh, there? Oh, jeez. You oh, mentioned the God. weather. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Nine one seven. Oh, by the way, Golden Boy is making the Canelo Golovkin press conference tomorrow outdoors, which is fine. Uh, the problem is there's a fifty percent chance of rain. Anyway. <laughs> That's kind of like the judges in that fight. 917, you're live. <laughs> <laughs> 917, good evening. Good evening, Stephen Gabe. It's Cyber from Queens. What's up? Hey, hey what's, what's up, man? going on? How's it going, buddy? Uh, 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 funny story, quick question. Uh, last week I was watching uh, Netflix. I was just bored, skimming through. So I said, let me see if there's any good sports documentaries, boxing documentaries here. And I'm watching, I, I see something called uh, uh, Counterpunch. Counterpoint documentary, and I think it to myself like within the first twenty minutes into it, watching. I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'm mentioning this uh, to to Stephen Gabe. It seems interesting, and boom, right there appears Steve on the show. You are you are. Yeah, I remember. I had to film that segment at some office prior to a Golovkin press conference. Now, the producer director of that is a very famous guy. I think his name is Gabriel Tolan. He actually did a 30 for 30 on the USFL that I really enjoyed about four or five years ago. Okay. Oh, that, that was cool. That was just funny. I hope uh, I didn't ruin it for you. So, anyway. No, no, it was awesome. <laughs> and, um, uh, Gabe, I, I'm glad to hear that last week you uh, you said you were officially joining the rest of the common folk and you're off uh, 
Danny Garcia and his bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I can't do it, man. The, the, maybe it was the last mask that he wore that just pushed me over the edge. You know? uh, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, like, you know, uh, uh, just uh, just a couple quick comments on a wrap up what was coming up. Uh, basically, the Wilder NOT site. Um, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I, I don't see how Ortiz. I mean, I, 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 this is this will be his toughest match. But I think he he's been uh, a little too inactive, and you know they 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 worked it out perfectly. You guys been been inactive. He was already getting up there in age, so I don't think he'll be able to do anything. And even if you were to give him a great fight, he'd have to literally knock him out cold for them to give him a fight, for them to give him the decision. Because you know what what's at stake if he does win. And um, as far as the uh, Darrell Uskatagi, uh, Steve, that's why you're my boy, Steve, because I haven't heard anybody else. Mentioned about how that fight, when that fight happened, I remember I watched it live, and I was DVRing it, actually. I rewinded that shit, like, a hundred times. It, it did yeah. not seem like it was late. It did not yeah. seem late at all. I, to me, I if know. you watch that sequence, it was one, two, three. That was a three-punch combination. And, listen, Bill Clancy, the referee, I like him. He was way out of position. I wrote about that last year. Yeah. But I thought, to me, that there was a natural movement to Uskatagi as the bell rung, in my absolutely. view, which means absolutely nothing. I don't think it was a late punch. Not at all. Not at all. And he like it was, and the, the last punch landed like in the middle of a combination before the. But anyway. And, uh, now wait a minute. You're I, I think, you're in that area. Are you going to either fight card this week? No. Nah, uh, oh, it's in Barclays, right? Yes, it is. Uh, no, I'm not. No, no. You got too much You're not even going to the garden. Okay, I hear you. No, nah, I, I hear you. Getting get, get ready for a trip to Thailand. So. But um. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, awesome, right? <laughs> and um, uh, but yeah, I don't think he's, he he might win that anyway. Darrell's been iffy for a while. In that fight, he 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 already didn't seem like he was into it. I, I mean, I remember one time before the supposed late shot, he got hit with like a triple jab. Like he didn't even bother putting his hands up. I, I don't know what's up with Darrell. And um, as far as the, I don't want to turn this into the Max Kellerman. Uh, podcast this uh, the topic this weekend, but um, as far as him, like I mean, I, I'm not too bothered by Max. I mean, th- as far as uh, putting on the pom poms and being cheerleaders, you, you, you could, you know, saying that that's a lot of guys. You know, saying you you could you could charge a lot of guys with doing that. Uh, guys like Marlon Ronaldo or whatever, trying to shove shit down your throat. Right, but it, really but, but, like, but but at least it's about the guys in the ring. Right. That I get. Exactly. If you're impressed by someone that is performing, like wow, this guy's putting on. A hell of a performance, yes, but not. Hey, hey I'm Andre, you're good. No, it well, kind of like reminds me. Remember that Chris Farley skit on Saturday Night Live when he used to interview people. Remember no, think when, when Chris no, Farley would get a celebrity and say, "Hey, um, do you remember that movie you did? <laughs> that was good. I liked it." You don't remember that skit? <laughs> no, all I can think of is Van by the River now. Yeah, and every and every every question that, that Farley would ask is like, Yeah, um, that was a cool show you did. You're great. <laughs> no, I mean, he, okay, he's, he's an ass kisser, yeah, I guess. But uh also what you said, see I agree with you about um uh last thing, I agree with what you said about as far as active fighters commentating. Um and particularly uh, Tim Bradley comes to mind because I remember when uh, when the when the when Pacquiao and Jeremy Horn fought, and that horrible decision went to the Horn, they kept. Uh, he even had Teddy Atlas like frustrated because he was going around 
the question, like, well, do you think he won or not? And he was like, well, you know, he, get, like, he gave an effort that nobody was expecting, blah, 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 blah. Well, nobody's asking you that. Did he win or not? You know, so. Yeah, by the way, I think Tim's that. getting better, though, now that he's had more room to kind of breathe and get more shots up without yeah. Atlas. I, I think he's developing. But, again, it's not an easy job. Just because you boxed and have a lot of knowledge about the sport does not make you a broadcaster. Lennox Lewis never really developed as an announcer. It's not that easy. Mm. Absolutely. I saw what you did there. I saw what you did there. Anyway, listen, thank you for the call. Hang out, all right? Talk to you guys next week. No problem. 347-215-7598, Gabe. You know, Oscar stepped in too with uh, Beto and and Bernard this weekend, and it was it was actually it was pretty funny. Uh, I mean, Oscar has gotten better. I think the more comfortable he's he's been at the helm of his uh, his company. But uh, I digress. Two zero nine, you're live on the next round. Two zero nine. Hello. Hello. Yes. How you guys doing? Doing well. Is that Trini? Yeah, that's Trini. Yeah, I'm just enjoying the show. I'm driving, and I just want to join the show. All right, man. Drive safe. Oh, okay. Thank you. Drive safely. Uh, Keep your eyes on the road. (laughs) Hands at 10 and 2 o'clock position. Please don't text. 909, you're live on the next round. 909? Or not. Hello. Or not. Uh, Let's see. 510, you're live on the next round. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Steve. Strong over Richmond. How you guys doing? Good. What's, What's up, up, man? What's up, man? Hey, I, I want to start my own uh, Mexican for Sorongo Sia fan club. Uh, I <laughs> like that guy more and more every time I see him fight, man. He kind of, I mean, not exactly, obviously, because that's too much of an exaggeration, but he reminds me a lot of Manny in some ways, man. The big calves, uh, his backstory, the way he bounces around, kind of like Manny. And the, and the main thing he does, just like Manny, which I, I think leads to him winning the decision. He always gives a receipt. Like somebody will uh, drop a combination on him, and he'll come right back with some more punches. You know, and I think that's how he's winning a lot of these rounds. You know, he's always aggressive. You know, and, now, hold on. Fernando, did you actually have him winning on your cards against Estrada on Saturday night? Yeah, honestly, I did. And to be okay. honest, I had him winning clearly. I mean, I, it was a close fight. Like, I acknowledge that. It was a really close fight. And I'm a Mexican-American, and I should have been going for the other fighter. And I, I kind of was, you know. Just like in a you know in a tribalism way, not not in a racist way, just you know that's just natural the way we are. But uh, he's won me over. I thought I thought he was uh, throwing the harder punches. Uh, he never seemed to be affected by uh, by uh, the other guy's punches as much as he was hitting the other guy. And like I said, every time that the Estrada would drop a, a combination on him, he would come right back like Manny. I remember Manny when he would fight uh, Eric Morales. It was the same thing. Like even the fight that Morales won. A lot of punches, man. Uh, he would come right back, right in, right back in Morales, man. And he did that in all his big fights, man. And that kind of reminds me of – obviously, he's not on the same level. You know, I, I acknowledge that. But he has a lot of Manny in him, man. And I, I, I enjoy watching him. He has a great story. <clears throat> and, and he's a humble person. I, I kind of like him, man. I've taken a shining to him. I kind of enjoy a, a run with side, you know. I, I like him. I like him a lot. If there is going to be a fighter where the people of the Thailand – uh, nationality will come out. I'm not saying in mass because I don't know how many there are out here. It will be Sorungvisai. I think the next time you see him out here, there will be a larger contingent uh, 
of ties in the audience, which is great to see. Because let's face it, before Manny Pacquiao, it's not like we saw noticed a lot of Filipinos out watching boxing matches. You know, is there a chance of him ever fighting Ancajas or uh, a new well, moved up away? Nah, there's 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 political issues. Ancajas was on the other side of the street. And Gabe, did you notice? That on the HBO graphic for 115 pounds, they didn't list on Cajas. Really? Really? Yeah. That's, uh, you know, the multiverse that is boxing today. And it was pointed out to me by someone at ESPN when Cajas was on their network a couple weeks ago. They mentioned the HBO guys. They at least did that. I noticed that, too. Mm. I noticed that. I read it in your article, too, but I didn't notice that, too, when I watched both fights. Dan now mentioned the Sharon was on the, uh, or excuse me, Dan mentioned the Cajas on HBO uh, graphics. One other thing, too, and this is like a philosophical question. Uh, I know a lot, and I'm not excusing uh, Moro or even Natalie Bergering like that, but in a close fight, to be honest, I mean, those are, those are scored round by round, right? I would rather have somebody like Moro maybe, like maybe give the close rounds to, more to one guy. They have a judge kind of make sure he steers his card to it, like a 115, 114 at the end. You know what I mean? So in some ways, I think that's even more honest than some of these other judges who I know, like, kind of steer their, their maybe not even uh, consciously, but maybe subconsciously, steer their card to, like, a closer to a closer finale so they don't have to uh, get the heat. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. That's just a philosophical thing, you know? But, uh, All right. Anyways, Orlando. Like yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the call, 347-215-7598. Gabe, let's go over to the fight review and fight preview real quickly. Uh, in the World Boxing Super Series, Calum Smith with a 12-round decision over Nikki Holskin. So he is now off to the finals. Now, Gabe, we all know about George Groves and the left shoulder injury. He put out a statement today saying, hey, I'm going to need about a month to recover. You know what? I think to me that's reasonable. If the World Boxing Super Series is so intractable, so inflexible that they're going to replace George Groves, nobody should give a rip about that final if it's Calm Smith against some guy, not yeah, even, George Groves. Even even the the Smith, you know, the semifinal. I was like, this is why aren't we just postponing the fight? You know, uh, you know, and waiting for Brommer to come back. I mean. How bad off is Brommer? He's got some sort of infection. Uh, have we figured out, you know, how long that's going to take? It, it kind of took the, the, the wind out of the sails for me, uh, th- this fight. Uh, you know, and, and Smith fighting a guy that, that was like super small, like, you know, just a kickboxer. I don't know. It was just, uh, I'm looking forward to the cruiserweights. But at this point, the super middleweights, if, if they force the guy to fight when he's still kind of hurt, uh, even a month. I mean, like, why rush it? Like, let's see how you are after this minor surgery. Cause last week he was saying, Hey, I'm going to be back fast. Everything's fine. And then this week I'm having surgery. Uh, why don't we wait till after surgery? And then you figure out what, when you're coming back, you know, uh, it's, I don't know. Do, do you, do you want to, how long is too long for you? Two months? Well, here's the, it's the finals. Listen, yeah. we're, we're, we're smart enough to figure out, even if the other tournament is moving on, whatever they choose, We'll figure it out. We'll deal with it. Uh, George Groves has earned the right to win that tournament. Okay? You're not holding up any other fighter except the guy that wants that particular fight. That's the biggest fight for him in Callum Smith. It makes absolutely 
no sense to do any other fight. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Uh, also, Thursday night, Golden Boy on ESPN talked about this earlier. Joseph Diaz bludgeons Victor Terrazas early with body shots. Gabe, I think the kid's ready for a title shot. I'm not saying he's going to beat Gary Russell, but he's a solid, sound technician. He wants to fight. He wants to enforce his mandatory. I hope he gets his shots. You know, and I was impressed with what he did with Terrazas. I mean, you know, we knew what the fight was, what it was, but JoJo didn't go deep with the guy. Got him out of there, went at his body, like I said, mixed up his attack. He comes under, underneath, works to your, you know, the left hook to the body so well, or the left, you know, uh, just in general to the body. Uh, but I just like his poise in there. Uh, it's very methodical. It's like a young Kodo, not as you know, fully as active, but there's just a all business mentality. Uh, a very strong will in there the, when he's fighting. Um, I think he gives Gary Russell a lot of troubles, but it's definitely time. He, you know, you can't let him die on the vine from this point on. Also, the fight preview Thursday night, or actually Wednesday, uh, Tokyo, Japan. This will be on B in Sports, tape delay on Thursday. Uh, the WBC Bantamweight titles on the line. Louis Neri takes on Shinsuke Yamanaka. Then on Wednesday in Japan, Danny Roman makes his uh, first defense of his WBA title against Rayo Matsumoto. And I believe Thompson Boxing will eventually have a stream of that fight, not necessarily live. Uh, Saturday, Kel Brook makes his return against Sergey Rabchenko. Then from Viva Puerto Rico, Juan Ma Lopez takes on Jason Velez. And then in Scotland, young prospect Josh Taylor was scheduled to fight Humberto Soto. Will be taking on Winston Campos. Anything catch your eye there, Gabe? Uh, I'm I'm curious about the the the, the Neri Yamanaka fight, uh, the the rematch. Uh, what's that going to be like? I mean, the last one was kind of a brutal ending. You know, uh, it ended on the ropes. You know, there wasn't a clean knockout, and then it turned out that that Neri tests positive, and and people say he's not clean. Uh, it gets ruled, you know, that uh, the reason we're having this rematch is the WBC believed him uh, when he said that his food was contaminated. Uh, after testing the ANB sample. So, well, you know, I, I, does it happen all over again? Uh, is it styles make fights? You know, uh, I, I don't know. I, they, to, to me, that's a fight I'm really looking forward to. I mean, Ortiz Wilder, you know, above all of them, but uh, but that one is, is definitely one to see. If you're Louis Neri, and if you have, have had any Japanese meat, any carne asada from Mexico... You are playing Russian roulette. Just wait till after the fight to get the Outback or Sizzler. Don't play don't with fire. I mean, I mean, seriously. There's, there's, eat, right? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's been enough situations where as a fighter, not a civilian like you or me, where it doesn't matter. But we know that it's a real issue. But as a fighter, the ramifications are so great. Why are you taking that risk? Again, just, just wait to go to Outback in San Diego in a couple weeks. They have the <laughs> Bloomin' Onion. It's pretty good. Anyway, 347-215-7598. have news and notes later. Gabe, who's next? Uh, 530. You're live on the next round. Hi, guys. It's Mike from Auburn. Mike, hey, who made the trip up, from Auburn to Superfly. How was it? It was fantastic. <laughs> that fight card was great from top to bottom. 
well, I should say it was very, very good from top to bottom. And uh, that last fight, and especially the last couple of rounds, were just fantastic. Uh, the audience was on its seat, and the atmosphere in the forum was just beyond compare. That said, uh, comments about the fight. My impressions throughout were that Sarungvasai was hurting uh, El Gallo fairly consistently and was kind of beating him down. Now, towards the end of the fight, and this is, this is something that really made me admire uh, Estrada, he bit down on his mouthpiece and came back and put some hurt on Sarungvasai. And that, that, to me, was just like bringing out the best in somebody. And I really, really had high regard for him. It was one of those things where you hated to see someone lose. So yeah, and I wonder, very... if we see round 13 in September, is it Estrada who has the momentum? Did he figure something out? Or or did Rungvasai just fade a little bit late that allowed Estrada to start coming forward a little bit? I think that's the big question. Well, I've got to say, during the middle rounds when Rungvasai was constantly getting inside and landing, it was like he was able to take that little step inside, come in low, and lead with his backhand. And I kept thinking to myself, why is Estrada, as good a boxer as he is, not figuring that out? But, boy, I'll tell you, just for action and for effort and for heart, that was just a great fight. And if they That 12th round was amazing, I, wasn't it, Mike, being there live? Oh, yes, it was. If they're matched again, I will. I will be there. By the so way, Mike, what? To... How about that tailgate? Was that unbelievable? Was that as advertised <laughs> from Mister Boxing Guru? The tailgate extravaganza, yeah, that, 2018. That that was something I got to say. And I I left a little bit earlier than I should have, but I wanted to get inside and watch Lulu uh, have her fight since we we met her the night before, and she was just a charmer. And uh, that uh, that uh, group picture you guys had, I'm sorry to have missed that one. Oh, yeah, Tom came by to say hello. He's a man of the people. I know he did. I know he did. I saw that. He was telling us about it on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, it was, that was a great, great evening. I had a, had a wonderful time at that. Wonderful, wonderful time the whole time I was down there, frankly. Now, so Mike, what's so, the next fight you're thinking about attending live? I don't know. I don't have one in mind. And uh, I've learned that when you recommend going to something, I'm usually better off listening and going. Because so, I still think back on missing Salido and Vargas. Oh, Vargas, what a night. What I a kick, night kick that myself was. Every time. He was there, by the way. Yeah, by the way, you know what's funny? This is going to be controversial, but from a fan experience, when you include the tailgate, I think the forum is surpassing StubHub now because at the forum, they allow you to mill around and tailgate short of grilling. Mm -hmm. They don't really let you do that at StubHub as much. It's kind of a buzzkill. I can see where it would be. And, uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to miss that ceviche. Oh, my God. Now, that is on every pound-for-pound list is that ceviche. I would actually have that every day for dinner if I could. Oh, I appreciated the hell out of it. Trust me. 
<laughs> well, that was great. By the way, one one last thought. Uh, have you heard the story about the ring belt from Doug? Uh, well, I think Doug had to retrieve it because that's not a, the one they're going to be giving to him. Did, did Doug ever get that back from Sol Rungvisai? <laughs> yes, he did, but he didn't get it back at the forum. He had to follow him back to the hotel. Oh, wow. That's why Doug earns the big bucks from ring. That's why he earns the big bucks from ring. <laughs> well, it worked out because then he, he was in the bar at the hotel for a while with the belt, and there were plenty of, of people around that wanted to have their picture taken with the belt. <laughs> and Great. Doug. So that, that, was, that was a fun evening. It was a later evening than the one before. Let's put it that way. Yeah, wow. Okay, geez. Okay. Well, I hung out at the uh, forum club a little bit. That was interesting. If those walls could talk. Oh, if uh, those you walls taking, could talk. You, you were actually taking some heat from Booney uh, for not having the having the heart and stomach to go from the forum club back over to the, the I got, You know what? I wanted to watch that 12th round again on tape, on DVR. I, I but yeah, I, I, yeah, there's some warranted heat there now that I think about it. You know, jeez. <laughs> oh, I'll, I know one fight I'm going to be at for sure, and that's June 30th in Sacramento. Ah, I will see you there. And I believe you will meet my son there and my wife as well. Okay, that is a Thompson boxing show. Absolutely, I'll see you there, Mike. Okay, Steve. Bye, guys. Thank you very much. By the way, Gabe, there now. Mr. Brown it, it did not travel the farthest to go to Superfly. I actually met a fan who bought tickets through Jim Boone. Get this. He listens to our show. He's from Jacksonville, Florida. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And he says he's literally the only boxing fan he knows in that city. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the the... the the, the, who were those two guys that used to go to all the Marquez fights? Daryl yeah, and... Probably, yeah, they went to Oklahoma State. One of them lives in Sacramento. The other one lives, I believe, in Oklahoma. I have not seen them in a while. They've kind of dropped off. Hmm. But they used to fly everywhere. I mean, that's just dedication. Yeah. It is, you know, it is, it, it's different uh, watching it from afar because uh, it is a culture and it is a, a community. Uh, and then you get to see all the young guys. What did you think about the, the, the rest of that Golden Boy card? Uh, um, Virgil Ortiz, well, listen, man. I, I like Virgil. I think he's the best pure prospect in terms of having the highest upside. And I hate to say it, I think Chipo Gonzalez, uh, he's so young, I don't want to see him get hurt. I think he needs to find a new new job. I don't see it. Yeah. That's, I mean, he's, and he's come a long way from Rudy Hernandez. was high on him. Uh, and, I, you know, I trust his uh, opinion. But then somewhere along the way, something went wrong. You know, maybe it's a dedication to the craft, or maybe it just no. I, I don't it. think it's that. I, I really don't. He he works hard, but as I like as I like to say, you don't know anything about these kids till they get hit. And that Romero Duno fight, and he's never been quite the same. And if you don't have great punch resistance, and you're not a great boxer that knows how to utilize reach and distance, which he really struggles with. And it was very alarming that Ray Perez, who's not a great puncher, was buzzing him time and time again. I, I do not see a great long-term future for him in this sport. The other kid I liked on that card is uh, Hector Tanahata Jr. 
he's got 12, 12 and 0, five knockouts. Uh, he's 21 years old. Um, and he got the stoppage against uh, Edward, you know, Eduardo Rivera. I mean, he kind of did what he had to do, but I, I like this kid's style. Uh, real lanky, knows how to get you on the end of his punches. Uh, nice sense of distance. It's some nice prospects there. Yeah, Tanahara needs to grow into his body and get his man strength. Plateaued a little bit last year, I felt, but he's got some tools. And the one kid that needs to get in shape, and I don't think he has the requisite discipline because it came in real heavy again, Hanaro Gomez. He looked good early, but I, I just, again, this game is for the committed, and I don't think he is. Yeah, it, you know, you have to want it more than everybody else, and that showed. That it was kind of a flat performance. Uh, let's hit back to the here's phone a, uh, Gabe, here's oh. a couple of tweets from Evan Young. Estrada seemed hypnotized by Rung Vasai's strength in the middle rounds. But when he moved and added wrinkles, he was doing much more pitching than catching. And what a beard on Estrada never really buzzed, and conditioning was top-notch. And then he adds, B-Ball Barrera is a top-notch light heavyweight matchup. Lots of answers revealed here. Barrera is a gamer, but seems to get dropped in every fight. It'll happen here, too. But B-Ball, keep him on the floor at midpoint in the fight. So he is predicting a mid-round stoppage for Dimitri Bivol. Evan Young, you are on the record. And probably driving somewhere. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. 619, you're live on the next round. Hey, Steve. Hey, Gabe. What's going on, guys? <clears throat> What's up? What's up, Juan? Hey, man. A uh, couple of things. So I saw Steve on the interwebs there tailgating great again. It's glad it's cool that you guys are out there. And, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's like the best yeah, tailgate since the Raiders there. left town, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one died either. <laughs> that's always a that's always a plus down there at the forum. Do they do that? Um do they allow those type of things at the at the sub hub? I'm 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 kind of they used to, but they've place. really cracked down for some reason and I don't understand it. They allow it for the Chargers. They allow it for soccer, but they seem to be very strict on boxing. And I have to give a lot of credit to the Inglewood uh, Police Department and the security. They'll just drive around and say, hey, guys, just keep this area clean. Cars are coming by. Uh, be safe. And they'll hover around. They'll say, hey, how are you guys doing? As long as nothing's out of hand, they just drive on. It's a great atmosphere. Yeah, they're 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 doing their job. They're policing, but they're allowing people to kind of you know enjoy the uh, the atmosphere, and it it makes for a cool event. Yeah, it looked awesome on the. Uh, there's like a couple of videos floating around, but you, of you guys, I I saw them. They're pretty cool. So um, the the event itself was <clears throat> appeared awesome on TV. Yeah, the commentary. I just have to add to the uh, to the choir here. The commentary just but Max Kellerman is just I don't know. Anyway, it's just it's not it's not good. It's like what what are you saying? It's just kind of a random stuff that he says. But um, good fight. Uh, Tom Loeffler is doing a really good job, and it, it kind of can show the other promoters, right? Hey guys, this is how you do it. You you charge people a decent amount. You put good cards together, and people show up. I'm sure it did great on the ratings. Um, you know, it's not rocket science. It's just a matter of uh, wanting to do it. So anyway, I don't know. Is Quadra's done? Is, is Quadra's done? Do you think? I don't know. You know what? Was it an aberration? Who knows? But he looked like a fighter whose pilot light was really flickering. Yeah. 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 He, he was just, like, he, he he like he was James, the milk's gone bad. You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, are you guys as uh, freaked out about seeing Kell Brook get punched in the face again as I am? Oh, uh, like, well, ah, not hmm. looking forward to it. Is, both eye sockets have been broken. Yeah. Yeah. If he's fighting a heavy puncher, I mean, you know, depend. I guess that depends on who he's fighting, right? Uh, Rabchenko's not exactly fighting... strong, but not heavy. If he was fighting Amir Khan, I wouldn't be worried too much. But you know, if anybody else, maybe. By the yeah. way, Amir Khan was there on Saturday. Spoke to him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw. Yeah, you got the form. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I was excited about Quadras. Um, and and able and I, I thought it would be a good combo and then it just kind of like huh eh, you know maybe not I don't know maybe it's quadras maybe it just it just didn't seem like not for everybody it is not for everybody I warn people it could be very beneficial but it is not for everybody yeah L- last comment here and you know more will be said about this subject in the, in the coming months so I'll only touch on it briefly. Is it are, are we resigned as boxing fans, as people you know, hardcores that watch every every match? Are we resigned to just accepting the fact that Canelo is up to nothing on the scorecards right now uh, for the rematch? Yeah. I mean, is, is there, I mean, it's just listen. Gennady and Tom got the financial terms that they wanted for the rematch, but it comes at a cost. So, so all yeah. I could say is, guys, you know what you got yourself into. Deal with it and fight accordingly. Yeah, I hope I hope he does fight accordingly. But we'll see. I just think it kind of sucks that, you know, but Floyd benefited from this exact same thing. You know, I don't know if it's just people watching Floyd or watching Canelo fight as opposed to watching the fight. You know, I've, I've heard that where he's conceived a star. People will watch him fight and it just anything he does registers more. Or if it's if it's really something some sort of sinister thing happening, you know, underneath or a combination of both. But anyway, all right. Well, and Denadi knows what he's walking into. All right, guys. Well, he should. Yeah. yeah. Listen, yeah. when Hagler fought Leonard, Hagler wanted certain financial concessions, but he gave up the glove size, I believe, the size of the ring, the number of rounds, and it may have cost him the fight. So 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 get no understand what you're getting into. Canelo is the A-side. Can't argue that part. Yes, he is. All right, Juan, thank you right, for the call. 347-215-7598, Gabe. Uh, 281, you're live on the next round. Hey, guys. Oops. Hello. Hang on. I'm, I'm hey, here. Nate. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. What's up, man? Sorry. I'm hitting, I'm hitting the wrong buttons on my phone. All right. How's that? <laughs> Um, good, Nate. Talk to us. So yeah, good, uh, good, good weekend of, of fights. Definitely, um, I caught um, the Brian Valoria one on, uh, you know, on, on the on the webcast or at the stream, and I I didn't start it until maybe the second. I think it was the second round. Who who was the ex boxer that was calling that fight? I believe that was Kevin Kelly. Yeah. Okay, man. I was trying to figure that out, and it was like, I don't know. Um, so you were there, right, um, Steve? And, and yeah, Gabe, you were listening on TV. Yeah, and 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 Gabe, you were, you were watching watching it watching the stream. Yeah, I was in my dressing room on a two show day watching the fight on the stream. Yeah. Oh, God, awesome. I was <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, the, the Kevin Kelly was like, I was like, who is this? Because he was, 
I mean, he was sitting there saying how he had Valoria up, you know, after a few rounds, about halfway through, and then, you know, just progressively, I mean, that fight wasn't even competitive, you know, and then, and then at the yeah, end, Brian he was saying, oh, I, I think it's even. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like, well, he's not getting hit, you know, he's getting hit some, but not that much, and it's like, well, yeah, but he's not doing any hitting. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just going, who is this? Because he was so far you know, off on the call. And, and, uh, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, you can get kind of swayed and at the end when the, when the, when the judges, cause obviously they got that one, right. You know, then, you know, the judges get it right. And then they're sitting there going, Oh, well, I, I don't know about those scores. <laughs> so, yeah. That was, that was kind of tripping me out, but, um, yeah, Where were, was side, Steve Morrow and Harold Letterman sitting on the same side. Have we figured that out? <laughs> Well, what did Harold have it? Sixteen uh, twelve. Yeah, so that's eight four. I mean, I was kind of, I saw it, you know, I saw it so wrong before I went in. For me, it was seven five, maybe eight four. Um, but yeah, nine three. Uh, <laughs> that's that's yeah. getting pretty pretty stretchy, I think. But at the same time, I mean, you know, at eight four, Harold calls two rounds different, and, it, and it's an even fight, right? So. You know, I don't. I don't think I have a big problem with eight four. For me, it was seven five. I, for me, I saw so wrong beside just because. Um, to me, I, I, mean, I really like um, the counter punching from uh, from a, a dial, but um, it's just not enough, right? I mean, it was it was good, but not enough. It just seemed like so wrong beside was always a little bit more, a little bit heavier, a little a little more hurtful. Um, at least for most of it, obviously, kind of towards the you know those last few rounds. Um, it was, you know, sort of the other way, but, um, good fight, really, you know, really good fight. That 12th round was, it, it just, it's classic stuff. I mean, just, they were just giving all they had, you know, and just finding just like reserves of energy to, to go at each other again. And, and, you know, Estrada just unbelievable heart, you know, some people would have folded. I think it's clear that, that Mo favored who he thought was the heavier puncher. And it just came down to that. Yeah, I mean, and if the heavier puncher is hitting enough, then I, that's fine, right? But if he's not, well... <laughs> or if you think when he lands, yeah. he's doing more damage, you know? Then right. you go with him, I, I guess. So, but Anything else? Definitely good stuff. And for, for for me, I'm not so big on immediate rematches, so I'd kind of rather see him, uh, you know, fight fight someone else first and, and then, then go at it. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. And, yeah, I have one more thing, because you guys had to start talking about Max. And I don't know how much more he did. I was kind of um, offline for about 20 minutes. But, um, you know, to me, Max has just over time gotten worse and not better, you know, in, in, mm. in, his, whole, in his whole commentary. I mean, I, when he first was in there, I mean, I wasn't so excited about him, but I wasn't going, oh, who is this guy? He really, really sucks. And, you know, but now it's just it's like an unbearable thing almost. You know, him, oh. him kissing ass. Oh, Lord. I, I wasn't you know, a fan of him on ESPN. So, you know, when, uh, I like Brian Kenny on there, you know. But, but again, they're just two yeah. different instruments. Yep. That is true. So, so yeah, Nate, maybe this we weekend, some... which fight are you watching live and which card are you putting on DVR? Oh, man. Um, I, I may be going kind of back and forth. I mean, they'll be both they'll both be going on the DVR, but which one I'm 
you know, uh, you know, focused on or primary on. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really really interested in seeing um, Deontay Wilder um, in in Ortiz. In my view is is just that I think Wilder wins that that fight because I think Ortiz is not he just doesn't he's kind of like one one directional right if somebody moves he can't handle the movement he has to reset every time you know like okay well wait a minute stand wait stand there so I can get set and then punch and and I think he's just he's just gonna be too slow and I I, I just kind of think back same as what you were talking about back to that first Berman's Vern fight. And you know Wilder just controlled that whole thing, and I I see him doing that. I'm really interested to see if he can hit the Vern square, because I think that'll be that'll make things real interesting. But but I think um, Wild Wilder wins that. And uh, Bevo, um, you know I just want to see right is he is it real or Memorax? I mean he hasn't exactly been fighting you know murderers murderers row, so you know Broadhurst. Was that that guy's name? You know. <laughs> yeah, Trent Broadhurst. Okay. Yeah, you know, come on. We destroyed him, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you know, who was Trent yeah, Broadhurst? Yeah, so it's it's been the eye test, and uh, now it's not not going to be the eye test, and I'm really looking forward to that because obviously, you know, Barrera's um, high quality. Yeah, that for me is my main event. That's the one I'm going to focus in on, and the rest I'll you know, I'll make do. I'll find a way to watch everything, but. Bivol Barrera, that is absolutely a litmus test. Uh, we're going to see what Bivol is all about. Anyway, Nate, thank you for the call. 347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? I'm watching uh, Wilder Ortiz first. It's, it's going to be, you know, i got two shows on Saturday, and it's right there in my dinner break uh, before the second show. So I'll be able to watch most of that card on the Showtime app because unlike HBO, you can stream their shit live. Uh, three, four, seven. Huh. Yeah. You're live on the next round. <clears throat> you know, you got to help out the cord cutters, people, the traveling, you know, folks. Three, four, seven. What's up? All right. So, um, so yeah, obviously, you know, want to just talk about the fights that's coming up this weekend. Um, I don't know. I think I'm kind of surprisingly in the minority that's choosing um, Ortiz to win. I think it's nice. going to be, I think it's going to be really one-sided, kind of sort of. I really feel like it's going to be kind of one, kind of one, kind of one. I don't know. Um, Wilder's just not really a boxer. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have a great jab. I mean, he did have a great jab in the Vern. But you name me another fight where he actually deployed a, a useful jab to actually make him win the fight. Like, I I don't think he ever did that. So, I definitely think that Ortiz is going to win. Um, I don't think it's going to be by knockout. But I Whoa, think you're saying a definite Ortiz win. You're going right yeah, out there on that limb. I, I respect that. I don't agree with it, but, but I respect it. But why is that um why is that going out on a limb though? You know, it really isn't, but let, let me just say this. Louis Ortiz I just don't see him being quick enough or having the mobility to actually land that punch. Now, I could be completely wrong. But what, from what I've seen of Ortiz since the Bryant Jennings victory, which is now about, what, two years ago? I don't know. I, I just don't see a guy that says to me he's going to beat Wilder. Just doesn't. So, okay, so question. Um, I mean, a lot of guys, a lot of guys, myself included, I'm not really sure about you guys, but, you know, kind of see Wilder as like a pretty much a BF champion. Like, don't really think he's great at all. I mean, he has great power, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, I think he's pretty horrible. 
So like, you know, I don't, I don't <laughs> I mean, no disrespect, though, right? <laughs> I mean, you can take it how you want. You gotta know who I am, so I'm alright with that. So yeah, so yeah. I just, <laughs> so I just think he's really like horrible, man. Like I just really do. Okay, so, hold on, um, hold on, hold on. Is he the okay. worst heavyweight champion you can recall? Ah. You know, I'm going to say yes because I really don't count Charles Martin, man. I, I really don't count that shit, man. Okay, Would you say that the, the, uh, Deontay Wilder is to the heavyweight division and, and his title reign is uh, as Berto was to the welterweight division, his title reign? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think hmm. that's, that's a really good way to wow. put it. Um, but what I kind of wanted to ask you guys is, I mean, I don't think you guys kind of feel the same way as I do, but I think you guys do feel that how, like, you know, he's really, like, untested. So no doubt. Would you guys, so would you guys kind of feel like if he beats Ortiz, like obviously this is like the biggest name, but and I'm don't get me wrong, I'm gonna give him credit if he really wins, but I feel like he's such a hypocrite because he's gonna take this win if he wins, he's gonna take it and he's gonna run with it, as opposed to when Joshua beat Klitschko and you know he was saying he was old and blah blah blah, when the same thing could be said for you know Ortiz. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how much they draw because they still have this delusional thought process that somehow, from a financial footing, that they're that they get equal billing. They don't. Come on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't. I don't know what the point with that one. I, I don't get that one at all. Um, and you know, to take it even further, you know, when Berto finally met some resistance, well, after Louis Colazzo, he had trouble with him too and some people thought he lost that fight and my, myself included uh victor ortiz the southpaw uh you know is the guy that all of a sudden lets you know takes him into a real fight I mean, steve i remember you pointing that out like berto <laughs> went back to that corner like wait a minute you know this guy's hitting me back uh like yeah. is this? I, i'm curious to see you know it, can ortiz you know uh, uh louis ortiz uh get that sneaky left in there and, and when he does what happens, you know, and who, you know, they're both, I think Ortiz actually has the longer reach. He's got an 84 inch reach to Wilder's 83. Uh, but he's just like, I think what, six, three or six, four to Wilder's six, seven. That's the real difference. And he, and he's older. Uh, now I, I have a real quick question for you guys. Um, you know, you guys kind of like come up with like really good, like, how do I say it? you guys come up with like really good ideas on like how to like change things in boxing and things like that. I mean, things that I think that, like, you know, other sanctioning bodies should actually pay attention to and you guys talk and stuff like that. So, I don't know. So, it's, like, a real bad pet peeve of mine. But, like, it's going to sound really weird. But I kind of hate when, like, when, like, a fighter is, like, kind of introduced as a former champion. Now, let me explain. So, for example, like, last weekend with the Danny Garcia fight, you know, when he was fighting, um, you know, Rios and whatever. I just kind of hate that, you know, when he's, like, in the ring, they'd be, like, former champion. But he was former champ, like, 37 years ago. You know what I mean? And then... <laughs> and, 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 and then naming his activity and then as well. You know? <laughs> and, then, and then they'll bill it, and then they'll bill it as, you know, Danny Garcia has fought 10 past former champions, past 10 fights. But all of these yeah, you know, so long. Like, how do you? You know, that, that doesn't really bother me. But you do make a point. It, it is really, it's just aggrandizement at its worst. It's like, announce the names, give me the records, everyone get the hell out the ring, and let's fight. I, I 
tend to agree with you. It doesn't really bother me that much, though. Or at least it doesn't bother me if it bothers you. I mean, geez. <laughs> yeah, it's really annoying. And I, I guess just my last point um, for you guys is um, obviously I'm a little disappointed that Charlo's off the card. I mean, I thought he was going to beat the crap out of the guy anyways, but, you know, I kind of wanted to see him more. Um, I feel like he's a really good fighter, but, like, I don't know. I don't really see him a lot, <laughs> but I think he's a really good fighter. Like, so, like, like how, like, how are you supposed, like, how do you change that? Like, a lot of these fighters that think they're so great, they fight, like, once or twice a year. So you see them, and you think they're really great, but you're not really sure, and then maybe in, like, 2016, they'll fight two times against two bums. 2017, they'll fight against one guy that's really good. 2018, they'll fight three bums. Like, how do you change the whole... (laughs) Why didn't he fight at all for this? That's what I didn't understand. Like, why not just, I mean, yeah, I you, you know, you're going to fight at Barclays on a big card. It's heavyweight championship fight. It doesn't really get much bigger than that. Uh, unless, you know, it's like, you know, Golovkin and, and, you know, guys have been built up in the pay-per-view stars. But I mean, this thing's it's a big fight. And you're not there. Like, you couldn't find, they found a guy for Callum Smith. You know, there wasn't a kickboxer available that, that you know, they could have had a shallow <laughs> fight. Don't, Don't give him any ideas, Gabe. Jeez, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's hilarious. But yeah, I don't All know. Right. Well, anyway, listen, thank you for the call. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, 347-215-7598. By the way, uh, Gervonta Davis, speaking of a former world champion, looks like he's going to be fighting Jesus Cuellar April 21st. It's not a bad fight. I don't care if the WBA made it a title or not. That, that to me, is inconsequential. I think that's a pretty good fight, actually. Gabe? Are you there? Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I I uh, I, have, I don't see a problem with that fight. It's a good fight. I, I was just thinking, uh, maybe they could have gotten like you know Charlotte to fight Peter Quillen. You know, I know he's free. When is he fighting again? No, he's still waiting on that big 2015. Um, oh. Also, <laughs> Tom Loeffler announced the 360 Promotions his local club show. Hmm. It'll be at the Avalon Theater in Hollywood. Debut is March 27th. These fights will these fight cards will be on a Tuesday night, so keep that in mind. And Avalon has a hell of an after party as well. That's a, yeah, it'll be fun. All night. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a that's a cool venue. Um, let's see, uh, nine zero four. You're live on the next round. Steve, Gabe, Brad from Jacks. <laughs> oh my God, What's Brad! Up, when did you get back? I got back uh, late last night. How was your trip? Oh, man, it was awesome. Dude, I'll tell you what. All I got is two words. Seafood ceviche. Oh, <laughs> is that not the best? I mean, is that, was, was it as good as advertised, old Brad? Would, would the Kimster I'm lie to you? He does not, no. Uh, even though <laughs> I was hammered the night before when you were telling me about it, I vaguely remember you bragging about it. But anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Really nice atmosphere at the forum. I got to tell you, I've been to many different venues, and that's that's one on, on the top already. I can tell. And it was even a little chilly out there, if you remember. Uh, yeah, for, for, us, your, for and you, now, Brad. Yeah. Being out there live, who did you have winning the main event? I was in the first row ringside. I had a very good shot of everything, and we watched intently. And I was with some guys that were kind of, you know, we were kind of scoring the rounds. And my thought was. 
and maybe because I'm such a huge Estrada fan, I was swayed, but I felt I edged Estrada. Just uh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not mad at the decision at all. Uh, it was that close. You could, it just depends on the style. And one thing I didn't have a good view of was the footwork and so forth where I was, but the punches landing and being thrown, I was uh, pretty convinced that Estrada did a little bit more, but was not the heavier puncher for sure. Mm. Is that how well, you Well, we might be getting a chapter two, Brad. So, again, seafood you know ceviche. Let's just keep that in mind. Come for the fight. Stay for the ceviche. Hey, my man Gabe, I wish I could have. I wish you was in, you know, for the fight. I was hoping to meet you, but I'll be back out for the uh, 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 Valdez fight. Do you happen to be off for that time? I've got a, a break between like mid March and then like uh, I think late April, so there, there's mm-hmm. a window. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. Actually, no, I think maybe even May. Uh, then I start uh-huh. another production until like July. So uh, uh-huh. yeah, I'm not going to be. I might be able to even go out for Triple G Canelo. That's what I'm kind of eyeing, but we'll see. I'm going to try to make that myself. I'm not sure, but uh, uh, Steve, Gabe, thanks for uh, having me on and. Uh, uh, what, oh, by the way, what did you think of the uh, uh, fight, Steve? I, I just jumped on, or Gabe, I'm sorry. I just jumped on like a, about a half hour ago and uh, didn't hear your thoughts on the main. On the main, well, Gabe, Gabe, I'll let you give your opinion. My opinion is it could have gone either way watching it again. Being there ringside, my scorecard is 115-113 for Sor Rung Vasai. Gabe, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have Steve Hood's uh, ceviche while I was watching, but I was enjoying a very good bacon uh, cheeseburger. Uh, I think, um, you know, I had Estrada winning seven five, but uh, I haven't watched it a second time. I'm going to uh, probably after the show, uh, just to just because of that twelfth round's unbelievable. I imagine it, it, just atmosphere and there was like Margarito Cotto one esque. You know, it was just really something else. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, I like Estrada's different tactics. I liked his footwork. Uh, I like that he just Mm -hmm. changed things up. But I understood, you know, the heavier guy just seemed to be, uh, you know, the heavier leather was coming from Sorungvisai. So I could see, you know, I wasn't like, damn it, this is a travesty. I was just like, what a great freaking fight. Oh, yeah. So, Brad, I'll see you in a few weeks. Hey, one one more quick word is – Yeah. uh, in the hotel directly after the fight, I swear they must have left like five minutes. I left immediately after the fight, went back to the main, to the, the Westin, and uh, Estrada came through there. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen dejected, dejected fighters before. He looked extremely taken it bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, listen. Wise, but he was dejected, and he had a bunch of fans in the lobby cheering him on, and he uh, he wasn't looking too happy about it, you know. He yeah, like, you know, Tom Loeffler yeah. said that with everyone that was there, they actually ran out of Corona by the end of the night with the uh, the Sorongasai <laughs> contingent. So, oh, viva! <laughs> All right, well, Brad, listen, I'll see you in a few weeks at the StubHub Center. Awesome, man. I look forward to it. Thanks. Absolutely. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? Um. See, eight six zero. You're live on the next round. Hey, hey guys, how you doing, CT? Hey, CT, what's going on? What's up, man? Hey, what's up? Uh, hey, uh, I picked the straw last week. Uh, I thought it was a very, very close fight. Um, 
I agree with you guys. I just think maybe the heavier, you know, the heavier leather was winning by Rungasai. And I see in Rungasai, you know, being the type of fighter since he's won the, the championship, he's, you know, probably got better himself. <laughs> I mean, he's still the same fighter, but, you know, you can see it the way you can see it in the way he fights and the way he looks and, you know, coming to the ring, he seems very happy to be champion. Um, I, I would definitely like to see a rematch. Though it's very close. Um, I could have went either way, but I did give it to a wrong side. Um, any chances of you guys maybe thinking Arroyo might get a, a crack at it before they have a rematch, or would you think that they just have to go you know, for a rematch? When Tom came over to press row, he flat out said, I want to do the rematch. I've talked to HBO. I've talked to the forum, and I've talked to the WBC. And the way that Estrada and Zanford Promotions is talking, I think they're going to press the WBC to mandate a rematch, which would then at that point lead you to believe the rematch is going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, and I'd like to give my put on the, the Wilder-Ortiz fight. I'm picking Wilder to, re- to win um, – I don't think he's the better technical fighter, but I think what he does works for him. He's very athletic. He needs to be awkward at times, but I think once he gets his timing down in fights and he works behind a jab, I think he's very, very, uh, <laughs> very dangerous. And I can see him, you know, measuring distance against Ortiz pretty well and being a more athletic fighter. And uh, hitting Ortiz is something that he doesn't see. Uh, see, see who do you like, Bebo <laughs> or Barrera? Uh. It's, it's tough because I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards Bivol, but uh, I can't count Barrera. He's he's very uh, durable. He, he's shown that he can adapt in the ring and he makes good adjustments. So I'm looking forward to that fight very much. Mm, all right, CT, you are on the record. Thank you very much. Thank you. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Fifteen minutes available to us in bonus overtime. Championship rounds. I think we're just down to uh, unlisted numbers. So, uh, who's driving in a car? Unlisted number. You're live on the next round. Or not? No, I think we've actually cleared the board. Okay. Which is, uh, well, it's going to be a a big weekend. No, Jimmy's corner. Is it last yeah. call? I don't know. Jimmy, if you're out right. there, call in. Please. Seriously. <laughs> you know, we'll give him a minute or two. But yeah, Gabe, um, I don't know what oh. time the show start. Hold on. Let me let me see what time the show start on Saturday. Um, oh, I've got him right here. Uh, Showtime is okay. uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, HBO is at 10.05 p.m. Eastern time. Oh, so there is a little overlap. Okay. Yeah, there's a little, a little overlap. overlap but that's, that's just going to be tough because that's, you know, that overlap is, is the fight everybody wants to see, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm going over to the, the uh, to the Swider Bowl. The best part about his house is that he has two TVs right next to each other. Oh, see that's yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Comes uh, in real ask, handy during football season. Uh, the Legends Boxing Gym. You were tweeting from there earlier today. Uh, it seems to be a lot of fighters have moved over there. I know a lot of Vadim Kornilov. I don't know if he's moved all of them, but he's moved. Uh, several of them over. Uh, what are your thoughts on that gym? What, what's the story with that gym? Well, it's a very clean facility, and it actually used to be a Ford dealership. And the gym area <laughs> is where the garages or the mechanics area was. And it works. And Manny Robles has his vast stable of fighters. Dimitri Bivol goes over there during sparring days. 
Uh, Danny Roman is there. A lot of the local fighters that I like, like Joette Gonzalez, Michael Dutchover, Ruben Torres, that are under the guidance of, uh, who is it? Um, God, oh, Danny Zamora. So it's, oh, right it's a hub. It is absolutely one of the hubs. And you say, what are the major gyms in Southern California? You know, you go wild card, Big Bear at the Summit, Robert Garcia's Boxing Academy, uh, Azteca Gym, still pretty formidable, Maywood. But the Legends Gym out there in uh, Norwalk, that's the spot to be at right now. If you want, oh, Andy Ruiz is out there on a regular basis. And um, it's, it's a nice, clean facility. I like it. I go up there about at least once a week just to kind of check in and see what's going on. Nice. Well, there you go. We uh, no, we still have uh, no Jimmy's Corner. Uh, I don't no know, uh, Jimmy's Corner. Okay, we've done our best. Yeah. All right, time to cut out. Uh, Gabe, have Johnson. a good weekend, and I will speak to you next Monday. Uh, that's it for this week's edition of the you. next round on the Leave It in the Ring radio network of David Gwyneth. On behalf of Gabriel Montoya and the rest of the Leave It in the Ring radio network, till the next round, goodbye, everybody.